I'm Robin Crane, and this is the Growing Your Financial Business, The Woman's Way podcast. Listen, I was a financial advisor for over a decade, and I got so sick of the old archaic strategies that your grandpa used to get clients. What the industry teaches today is still so outdated and just doesn't work anymore. So I had to find a better way for myself, and then I got obsessed with sharing these how-tos with other women like me. The stuff I teach doesn't require giving up your life, your sanity, or your family time. I want women like you to have it easier than I had it, so you can thrive in the industry. I've now helped thousands of women grow their financial businesses to multiple six figures, some even seven figures per year. So on this podcast, you're going to get an inside look at how they did it so you can do it too. Let's dive into the show. Hello, hello. Today, we're going to talk about profit. Who doesn't like profit? We all want profit. Even though maybe it's not something you're thinking about with your clients, you should be thinking about it with your business. So I'm here with Samantha Varner. And she she said, without profit, business is just an expensive hobby. And I know the first few years of my business, it was a very expensive hobby because I was putting more into the business than I was getting out of it. So um, maybe you've been in business for a long time. Maybe you are just starting, but this is going to be a episode. Sam is the founder of Crush Profit Coaching, and she's on a mission to show business owners just how they can live full and robust lives while building massively profitable businesses. And using her Crush formula, Sam takes her 15 plus years of experience in public relations, sales, and business development to teach driven entrepreneurs how to create wealth through business ownership. So let's go from here. Uh, one more thing, hosting her podcast. Also, She Needs Grit. So check out the podcast, She Needs Grit. Um, Sam is the ass-kicking profit coach for the driven entrepreneur. I actually like didn't even make mistakes on that one. I, I usually uh, mess up on the bio. So so look at that. That was like a full-on introduction. Sam, tell, tell me a little about how you got into the whole profit thing. Why profit? I know, I don't know if you know Mike Michalowicz, but I'm sure people say that all the time, like profit first. Did you come from that background or did you create this whole profit idea yourself? Um, I definitely created it myself in terms of calling myself a profit coach. And that comes from a little bit of like my PR background of spinning myself somewhat different than the average business coach mm-hmm. was how do I differentiate myself out in the marketplace? That being said, which is something everyone listening should think about, but yes. keep going. Yes, it is really critical, right? Like, especially if you're in a world where there are 10,000 of you doing the same type of job, the same type of role, you need to stand out. You need to have Mm -hmm. something that people come up to me all the time and they're like, profit, I want more profit. What's a profit coach, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a business coach that focuses on you actually making money, essentially. But uh, that's kind of how I ended up in that title anyway, but the book Profit First is absolutely where I then started looking at all books that had the title Profit in some way. And that I stumbled across that book and thought, oh, this is actually brilliant. I love how he talks about expenses and and, uh, making your profit be a first line sort of equation, right? So that was, yeah, yeah, part and parcel. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I saw Mike speak a while back and, and I have some friends, colleagues who definitely like were into you know, the profit first thing. If you guys don't know it, you can check it out. But obviously right now you got to check out Sam's crush formula. So let's talk about this crush formula. I mean, is it different? Is it, is, I mean, obviously it's different because you have your own spin on it, but tell me about like what makes the crush formula different and how can I use that for my business to make more profit? Cause 
I I'll tell you this too. I have in the background, those of you watching on YouTube, but uh, it says make more money, help more people because my whole thing is like, okay, well, the way that you help more people is through providing more value. The way you provide more value is they work with you long-term so that they can get the transformational results. So I know when I make more money, help more people. However, what I've learned with my business is that if we're just making money and we're not having as big of a profit, like it just feels like you're torn in so many different directions that you can only help so much, right? So it's not just like make more money, make more money, like top line, top line, top line revenue, which was like how I thought about business for a while. I still wanted a profit and I've always had a profit luckily in this business. Um, but definitely like, I wasn't thinking like to have, look at my profit margins and make sure this is the most profit because I was just like, I got to double again. I got to double, you know, like I got to keep growing and growing and growing, which I have learned is not necessarily the best approach. So now I'm just like profit, like my, I'm, I'm drooling, you know, when I think of the word profit. So I like it. I like it. So yeah. Tell me your take on it how the crush formula might be different or what I can learn from that and the listeners as well. Yeah. So the crush formula is kind of the five pieces of business that you need to have sorted out or honestly be working on. We talk about that longevity where I'm coaching clients as well. And at every stage of your business, these five things keep coming up, right? So we start the crush formula with the core, which is mission, vision, values. Like, Why are you actually doing what you're doing? And everybody's first line answer is my family. Right. Especially when we're talking oh, that's about that's funny. I wasn't thinking about that at all. <laughs> so not everyone, not everyone. Okay. I love family, what but that was, was yours? definitely not what I was thinking. So what what was the question? Like, what's my mission? Yeah. Like what is what is the reason you're doing this? Why do you have a business? Why this versus yeah, so, so our mission is to increase the footprint of women in the financial industry. We can have, I mean, this is how I think of my business. Um, is that we want more women in the industry so we can make a bigger impact in the world. And I think like women especially are underserviced and the more women we have in the industry, then the more women outside the industry will benefit from that and the changes that we make in the industry. Because I think still the financial industry is very much geared towards, um, even though it's not transactional, it feels transactional and, and it still is in some, a lot of ways. And a lot of the big companies still, I'm talking about this all the time on the podcast, but a lot of the big companies are still teaching like sales and marketing, quote unquote, wrong. I'm quoting myself when I say quote unquote wrong, because I'm the one that says they're teaching it wrong. Um, yeah. <laughs> Robin says, um, and I also think uh, I was just doing another podcast uh, with this other gentleman, Spencer, and he was talking about his firm and how they seem to be doing it right. Like it's all about the client and there's a lot more, like much more uh, a group and comprehensive approach from their their staff together. And it's not just like we eat what we kill, you know? And yep. that that is part of like the mission is to change the industry, not just have more women, but um, to have a paradigm shift in the industry so that the way that, you know, the end user, quote unquote, not my quote. Um, I don't know why I'm doing that, but it's, it's kind of funny. Um, but the the client themselves can have a better experience, whether man, woman, minority, whatever, and that they're ser like served in a at a higher level, which I think will ultimately change the world. And for my children, I mean, no, and also I, those kids, right? I mean, I, I mean, I, I the vision maybe definitely on my personal vision has a lot to do with lifestyle and kids, but for my mission, yeah. The only thing with my kids, I would say for my mission is that like, I want them to see that I love what I do and that yeah. I'm helping people. And so 
we have events and we usually have mostly women. And so my, my daughter, who's three, she's like, I want to dance with the ladies because we have at our events, virtual, like, you know, events where you like start with music and we're dancing with the ladies. And so she sees it as something fun and it's engaging. And it's not just like, I got to go to work, honey. Like, I know it sucks, but like, I got to go, <laughs> you know, so I want them to see that I actually enjoy what I do and it's transformational. So I mean, I know I just inserted my whole thing, but I just thought it was interesting. You said everybody and I like, I, I'm like, I don't think that was my mission, but um, a lot of people definitely seem to, it's more about the families that you've found. Yeah. Well, it's the, it's the reason we do the thing, right? Mm -hmm. So the mission of your company, for me, it is the creation of businesses so that people actually have generational wealth, right? A same kind of mission. We're doing the same thing where I want to have a footprint of women building businesses that are actually creating massive shift and change in the world. And they're earning enough money to have it make massive impact. Right. And that can be impact. On... Need to... Oh, we totally lost you, girl. Uh oh. Pause, pause. Hold on, yeah. hold on. We completely lost you. Completely lost you. So am I frozen, frozen? Now you're not frozen, but we just lost. It looks like it says it's my connection. So, okay. Um, what I heard was you said something about generational wealth. So continue mm -hmm. from there. Okay. So talking just about generational wealth and how big of an impact that can have. And I think that is in our daughters seeing that we have big businesses and that we can spend time working and doing something that we love. So I think there's a lot of overlap there, but I think what what we find is a lot of women who have businesses are not super clear on exactly why they're doing that. And that makes it hard on the days where it feels like work, right? When we go and we're like, oh my, okay, I'm doing this again. Today is a hard what? day. I never feel that way, Sam. Okay. <laughs> You're I feel that lying. Way. <laughs> You're definitely lying. Right. And it's not all the days. I think the joy of being an entrepreneur. Oh, there's is a lot of them. It's there job. is. Yeah. I mean, it's still like, I have to get up and do the thing and like the paperwork and filing things. I mean, mm, I don't do any of that anymore. You Are should you see my office. Well, we don't, I mean, we're doing, I don't know what, you know, you're maybe doing a lot more paper. I don't know. We don't have a lot of paper stuff, but yeah, most of it's like online, like contracts, documents, those sort of thing. But then yeah. also uh, I, I, if you saw my office right now, you you'd understand why I can't have a lot of paperwork because it just stacks. Um, uh huh. And I didn't just look at my desk; I looked at the ground and all around. It's <laughs> like I'm like, oh crap. Um, but but anyway, yes, not. Yeah. Don't, I don't like paperwork. I hate paperwork. So um, okay, so it's really the core goes back to mission, vision, values. Yeah. Why are you doing this? When you say values, what do you mean by that specifically? So two things, I think about values from the perspective of like, what are your personal values and how does that attract or re repel potential clients, right? So we want to work with people that are like-minded, that we have the same kind of ideas about things. It is how we can speak to what's really important to us. And that's going to attract clients in, right? In whatever promotional method that you're doing. Mm -hmm. So being clear on those, but then also being clear from a values perspective of like, I think always of like a spaghetti strainer, you're going to make decisions in your business at all times. And you can kind of put it through the strainer of, is this creating for me what I want from a values perspective? Mm -hmm. Does it create more time for me? Does it create more financial freedom for me? Does it allow the flexibility so that I can do the volunteer work I want to do or participate at the kids' sports or whatever it is 
that you function and try and create, it allows you to make those decisions at all times. And it kind of creates that little like North star of, Mm -hmm. Hey, is this a yes or a no? Right. Which is important Mm -hmm. as you're building a business. What about, what about business values? Like, do you do that? Cause that's something like I never did. And then I, I did this vision vivid vision retreat with Jennifer Hootie. She, she was on the podcast as well. And uh, I went to her event and, and then she mentioned how we are supposed to have, not supposed to, but like how important <laughs> it is to have, cause if you have a team, you know, mm-hmm. to have your company values. And I was like, Oh crap. Like I totally haven't yeah. done that. And so I created all my values and like, not just like one word, like integrity or something, but like, you know, we believe, you know, these things like mm-hmm. that. And like, um, the, yeah. So what, what are your take on the company values? Is that important? Is it less important? Is, I think it's that? really important as you build that culture out. Right. And it is hard to, when you're still yourself, if you're a solopreneur and you're kind of at your yeah. desk by yourself, you're like, what's our culture? I don't know. It's coffee addiction. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but that, that might just be me, but you do want to have those ideas. Cause again, the same way that you are attracting and repelling potential clients, you eventually are going to do the same for staff members, right? So in order to be hiring and really starting to have the team that you want to have, you have to know what that looks like. And it has to be the same thing. We have to be on side the same way of what's important. What does exceptional customer service look like? What does integrity look like? as a company and you have to define that right so that people can decide yeah that fits within what i do or no oh, my definition of integrity or my definition of honesty or whatever it might be is slightly different than that and do i want to stick myself in the box that you're providing right absolutely let me read some of my values cuz i didn't memorize them i'm supposed to memorize them and i want to remind myself and also share with you guys my core values that that i came up with after this vivid vision retreat that I should actually be saying every day. So I remember them. So we believe in stretching outside our comfort zone. We take risks and embrace authenticity and vulnerability for the sake of transformation. We believe in taking responsibility and ownership. We take pride in what we do and go above and beyond to be thoughtful problem solvers. We believe in treating others with kindness and respect. We assume their positive intent and reserve judgment. We believe in growing and expanding ourselves every day that doing so enables us to make an even bigger impact and create the life we want. We believe in open and honest communication. We do not let things simmer. We clear the air or fully let go without blame or resentment. We believe in having fun. We smile, laugh, joke, and enjoy life and business. We take time to savor the precious moments. And lastly, since I decided to go through all of them, we believe in taking good care of ourselves. We pause and breathe before we react. We do our best to let go of negative emotions. We focus on love, gratitude, and appreciation and nourish our mind, body, and spirit. Boom. I got that. I just need to remember. That's perfect. And that, I bet you, you could put up on your pantry door at home, the exact same as you could put up in the boardroom right? Like it, we actually do have values for the family too. We're trying to just keep them like really simple, like love first, you know, um, we're, we're like also in the middle of like solidifying them, but be nice. You know, these are our our values with the the family. Listen, hitting. I want to put on like stop freaking whining, but that's not one of the values. That's just how that goes under. Be nice. That should be a parenting value. Like if you're (laughs) going to be a kid in this family, the rule is no whining. No whining. Like, why do they have to go through the phase of whining? I was just talking to my CEO about I like that. that you like, called it a phase. Um, yeah. Well, the okay. thing is, I was telling the kids actually the other day, I was, I was telling them that I said, grownups don't whine. And I said, well, really? there are some, but, but it's, it's not, but it's different. I know they complain, 
They do complain. Okay, there's. I'm like, I can. I well, whine when many, I have to like unload the dishwasher. I am really. Or, but like, do you do you do it like? Do I have to like? You're, you don't go like this. Like, honey, do I have to unload the dishwasher? No, I don't do that. Because who would I be doing that to? It would be exactly to myself, right. Like exactly. Mom, but that's what I, I mean. To- <laughs> that's what I mean. It's like we we complain. I mean, many people still complain. It's not all perfect, but it is. We do grow out of whining. The actual like the actual whining tone. sound. Yeah. Okay. Maybe you forgot because you have teenagers. I still have a three year old, a five year old. The sixteen year old doesn't really whine. Does no. she complain? Yeah, she does. Yeah, sometimes. There's a lot of eye rolling situation. Yeah, there's right? different phases. That. There's the eye rolling phase. There's the they you know don't listen. She doesn't you know doesn't listen. Has her headphones on. But anyway, so yes. I mean you know, so mm-hmm. so point being, I don't know, but values values important. I, I do think it's important to have values for the family too, which I'm really happy that we're like in the midst of doing because it just it goes back to, you know, being respectful and like remembering, like we want, we want them to treat people nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I know that's just the C, so we better get to the R. Um, yeah, I'm assuming the R is the fun part. It's all revenue, okay. which really revenue. is just because it fits my acronym. Right. So yeah, I figured it, it was had, an acronym. It has to fit the acronym and therefore it's the financial well being of your company. Right. So it is mm-hmm. really understanding how critical it is to keep your eyes on your money be tracking things, doing with intention, um, looking at there, we talk about pricing. We talk about all of the pieces of running a business from a financial perspective. So that's critical. And at every stage of business, we've got to come back and take a look at it and go like, okay, where are we now? Is this where we want to be? Have we made the shifts that are necessary? Are we still working on goals? All of that piece. So tracking those bits. The So I, I will tell you, so I, I think that you would think financial advisors, I mean, one would think financial advisors are pretty good at this because it's money. And no, nope, they're not. I know. I was going to say one would, maybe not you, but like, they're not, right? It's so true. Yeah. Like, and, and they're not, and I'm not. Um, and I teach business and stuff. And I do look at critical numbers, like we're better at it, but I just, uh, one of the, I'm hiring this guy right now. And one of the reasons I hired him, I'm hiring him is because he's like, asking all these questions about my numbers. And I'm like, I have the data, but I still don't really understand. And we look at it, but it's very confusing, especially when you add complexities of Facebook ads and, mm-hmm. and the sales cycle. And I'm like, I don't know how much it costs. He keep, he's British. So he says, how much are the bums in seats? And I'm like, I don't know, because some of these people came from a year ago and like from market, like how much did I pay for that? Because it, you know, over the last year, do I divide it? But you know what I mean? So it just gets super complicated. But one of the reasons we're like so excited to hire him is to have a system of analyzing the numbers. Cause like you said, it's not yeah. just knowing your numbers, it's analyzing them, making decisions based on the numbers. And he's like, if you don't know your numbers and I'm talking like, what's your lifetime value? What's this? Not like, and I'm like, Oh, I can look it up. He's like, you should know that. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Kind of like your values have it all memorized. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So it it's, to imp- be able it's to- extremely important. It is. It is. But also it is okay to have to like look it up in a spreadsheet. That's totally well, yeah, fun. I know so certain things and I'm probably exaggerating, yeah. but, but I do think like it's a dashboard. Like what you need is a dashboard and what you need is to understand what the numbers mean. And when Mm -hmm. I actually, when I used to be a financial advisor and I was also a money coach and I was more a money coach than financial advisor, I'd even say it's at one point Mm -hmm. I had something called Kim Jim, which stood for know your money to grow your money. And so what I found was like wealthy people knew their money. Wealthy people knew what was happening. What were they getting richer or poorer? And if you're looking at your net worth, which most people don't, and if they do, they look at it once. 
Yeah. But if you look at, and we used to track it, this is my first book, Mind Over Money Management. But if you just track like every month where your net worth is, then you mm-hmm. can literally see, are you getting richer or poorer? It's the same in business, right? As you yeah. have you know, more money than you did last month, but even on the, on the personal side, and then we would track essentially cash flow. I called it the money mask, like how much you make minus how much you spend, which mm-hmm. is what you keep because I was helping them with their personal finances. But I swear, like once they got clear about their money, they felt like they had choices. Yeah. And once they saw it on a dashboard that was really clear, they felt like they had choices versus before they felt like, oh, I just don't have the option. Like, I just, this is how much I make. This is how much I spend. Like, it's just mm-hmm. defaulting as if they're not making a choice buying that shit on Amazon. But like yeah. my husband does it all the time and it's like, it just happens. Right. Yeah. It just, <laughs> so, Amazon just clicked itself. I don't know. I know. Happens. It just clicked uh-huh. itself and five options of those that we're going to take back four of them or something. He does mm-hmm. do a lot of take like returns, but, um, <laughs> but anyway, so revenue, it seems so obvious, but very, yeah. very important. And not just to, to make more, but also to understand what's happening with the numbers. Cool. Yeah. And have good choices, right? Like it, it does speak to, you know, your numbers, you have choices. You can decide when we get to the next part of it, which is utility, which is automation and delegation. Can you afford to hire a staff member? Can you afford to upgrade that system? Can you afford to outsource some whatever? tools within your CRM that will help you automate things. All of those come from being super comfortable with your numbers and knowing by spending X amount of money on something new, what does that actually create for you, right? What opportunities are open as a result of those automations or, or delegations? Okay. I hit maybe a hot spot. Okay. This yeah. might, you might, you might not agree with me and I'm okay with that. I had Rachel Cruz on, um, from, you know, Rachel Cruz, you know, Rachel Cruz, that's Dave yep. Ramsey's daughter. daughter so super yeah. sweet. And I kept trying to ask her like, are you sure? No debt. Like really like no debt. Like, cause I, I'm like, I, the, I would never be where I am today in my business. Had I not gotten into mm-hmm. a lot of credit card debt. And I have a lot of clients who the only way they can work with me and we can say, you use, use the, uh, the word afford many, many times right there. And it's like, yeah. they could say they can't afford it. And I say, you can't afford not to. So yeah. I'm a big believer in leverage and I'm, I, I, hundred percent. Like I took as a business owner, I believe you have to take risk. You, you, you cannot be an entrepreneur and not be willing to take risk. And a lot of that includes financial risk. So what mm-hmm. is your take on that? Because I could easily look at the numbers. Let's say I'm just starting, or maybe I've been in the business, you know, financial advisor for seven years. I'm looking, going like, okay, I'm making 80 grand gross, but then I have my, the payout. And then there's the office expenses. When you look at it, I'm taking home 20 grand a year. You can easily say, I cannot afford to hire you or me. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And it's like, well, yeah, utility wise, right. Maybe mm-hmm. you, you say are revenue wise and you're like, well, do you have, are you able to do that? And I would argue that you have to do that because mm-hmm. otherwise you're out of business. So what's your take on that? I agree with you. I actually think that there is a time and a place to cash flow everything, right? To actually pay for cash. And you can run a business, you can make a hundred grand without taking on any debt in a business. You absolutely can do that. But I guarantee you can do it faster if you have help. And so if you invest in things that are going to help you, either you're investing in the people that you're that have the skills that you don't have. So whatever that looks like in your business is different for everybody. But if you are terrible at, let's say, the financial management of things, then hire somebody who can help you. If you're behind on your taxes because you don't do your bookkeeping because numbers intimidate you and you just are very, have a lot of shame around that, then hire somebody to help you. 
hire somebody you can ask questions, feel comfortable, get educated, all of those pieces, not to take it over, but to start to feel comfortable in that realm and get that kind of get your sea legs under you. Um, It is worth, at least it has always been worth it in my experience with both my clients and myself investing in things that are bigger than what my cash flow can pay for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I I find that to be just a, a tough one because it's like it's very easy, especially I, I don't know about easy if that's the right word, but especially for financial advisors, let's let's turn it around. Let's say it's very difficult for many financial advisors to invest in their business, which really feels like to them they're spending more than they make or taking yeah. money out of their retirement account to pay for something like coaching. It seems yeah. very counterintuitive because they've been in the Kool-Aid had been indoctrinated to believe like you never take money out of your 401k. You never take money yeah. out of your IRA. And they're teaching that and teaching that. And so they think it's wrong. And I'm yeah. like, wait a second, like, which do you think is a better investment? The S&P 500 or you? Like, uh-huh. can you double your money in the next two years on the S&P 500? Nope. Like it ain't happening. Like you're yeah. not doubling yeah. your money over and over again. It's the rule of 72. It's going to take 10 years. You know, if yeah. you got 7.2% in the market for you to double, you can double your revenue over and over. And I did it. I did it. And mm-hmm. I did it because I had to leverage my money and my time and all the things. And like, there's no way I was going to learn how to do this no. on my own. I could have, like you said, it could have. It, it probably would take 7.2 years. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So right? maybe like it's the or same more, double longer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. That's a good, that's a good analogy. So I just think it's like, it's really hard because I felt like a total fraud. Like we all have the imposter syndrome and like, who mm-hmm. am I to be telling people to invest their money and, and, you know, and, and to help them with their money and to grow wealth when I don't have it myself. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you are a business owner. You got to think, are you a financial advisor first or a business owner first? If you're a financial advisor first, then you're probably going to be dead in the water. Like, yeah. or you're just going to have a very slow, like if you stay in the business for 10, 20 years, like Michael, uh, I had Michael Kitsis on the show recently and he was talking about how, um, how the, the number one factor that it that determines the, the, um, the success of your, your financial business is how long you've been in business. So 100%, yeah. if you stay in business 10 years, years, cause the people who leave, they're gone, right? So 20 years, you're going to make it, but do you want to yeah. make it? And, you know, do you want to wait 10 years to make a hundred grand? Do you want to make, no. wait 20 years to make a million bucks a year? Like it's, it's, it's crazy. It's just a slow, 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 slow way. So, um, cool. Yeah. I'm glad we had that discussion because I think that's a really hot topic. I think that's really important. And like mm-hmm. I said, I mean, I love Rachel Cruz. I actually really, really, uh, value the fact that she held her ground because that's what they say. And that is their brand to like, say, never Absolutely go. It is. So like, mm-hmm. good for her to like, not change their opinion because that's a branding play, whether she believes it or not. I mean, she might not even believe ever going in debt because she grew up that way, but I'm like, really? Like, anyway, you guys haven't listened no to Rachel Cruz's podcast. I feel, Check it out. Yeah. I always feel like the, I have a different opinion, not completely against debt, but in your personal life, there's a difference between consumer debt and educational debt. And educational doesn't have to be like, go get an MBA, right? Yeah, it is yeah. Education is now everywhere, right? Hiring a coach is education or it better be. Um, so I think there's a place for that. But I think there is a place for like, if, if anybody is like, well, but I tell my clients, no, they can't use their credit card for Amazon shopping. 
Yes. Okay. That's fine. Continue to tell them that that's probably best. You don't need anything on Amazon on credit. Yeah. But if you get a client and they have an entrepreneurial spirit and they're thinking about leaving their job and mm-hmm. they're not going to get you know, severance or whatever, but they hate their job and they want to start a business and they have it in them. Like they're going to work hard. They're going to create the result, and it's going to cost them the cost of them leaving the job. Even if they didn't go into credit card debt could be a hundred grand a year, like, cause they have yeah. to start a business and it could yeah. be a hundred grand the first year. And then if they're going to get there faster, they got to invest in different things and it's not spending, it's investing. And like, you yeah. should support that, especially entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I think it's important too to ask questions instead of tell them things yes. like, you know, because it might not be right for, if it's going to freak them out and they're going to like poop their pants every day. I get it because I have little kids. I can say poop. Okay. But <laughs> if, if that, then like maybe not a good choice for them. But for yeah. someone like me, if someone told me like a financial advisor told me, do not invest in growing your business because it's going to, you know, you have to put it on the credit card. I would have been like, well, how much money are you making? And Mm -hmm. did you invest in growing your business? Because I would be very skeptical about someone who's actually telling me not to do that, that they either, one, I would assume they don't have the success or two, maybe they have it because of longevity. They've been in the industry for 20 years, or maybe three, they're just not telling me that they're in debt or that they've had to take those risks. Right. So I actually think it gives you credibility, not that you should scream from the rooftops that you're in debt. I'm just saying like be congruent. Okay. Yeah. Two more. Yeah. What I love about this crush thing is that like that you guys have to keep listening to the podcast because we're like, okay, thank you so much. Goodbye. And you're like, wait, <laughs> I need the, sh- I need the S H. I need the S H. What don't, is don't that? leave. Could be yeah. So what is a S H? And it's okay. So the S poop. The, no, it's not. Although that would be really <laughs> funny now. Um, the S is definitely sales and promotion. And the number one thing that I get new business owners telling me is that I don't want to feel salesy and I don't want to be out there like pushing sales and I don't like it. And it's like, it, sorry, that's the job. The job is to be the salesperson of your company. That is your basically your only job to begin with, right? And there is a lot behind the psychology of that and understanding that and learning how to do that more effectively. And when we talk about knowing your numbers, these are some of the numbers you need to know. How many conversations do I need to have to convert into one client? What does one client actually bring in in terms of value for my company? All of those things and each layer of that calculation, you can get better at it, right? You by the way, track it. sorry to interject, I didn't want to forget that's how much I don't trust my memories that I had to interrupt you. Is that what they're taught in the industry is this 1031 rule. Have you heard about this? Is it, I have heard about this? it. It's yeah. not just probably the industry, but it's like, okay, if I, you know, reach out to 10 people, then I meet with three of them, then I get a client. And I'm like, where did that come from? Freaking, you know, I don't know from 1982. Yeah. Maybe? Like, I'm not that's, sure. like, that's not just a, a valid assumption. Like maybe no. you are really good and you could talk to 10 people and meet with three and get one. Like that's a, that's a pretty good KPIs. And it maybe is. you can meet with a hundred people to get three people and get one client. Like you, you better look at your KPIs. This is why yeah. it's so ridiculous when they blanketly tell them like, okay, here's, here's how you do, you know, you market yourself, you need 12 appointments a week and then whatever. And it's like, it's just activity, but if they're mm-hmm. getting from the wrong people and then they also can't close worth, well, I mean, I mean, worth uh, anything, worth anything, 
gosh, I'm really potty mouth right now. Like literally potty mouth. Okay. So, um, but I guess that's figurative. Okay. So sorry, 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 sorry. Distracting myself and interrupting myself, but you guys have to look at the real numbers, not the, yeah, you have to know your numbers, right? Your and numbers. It, fine. Start with an industry average and just see, are you the industry average? Maybe you are, but maybe it, you aren't. I don't even but think those are averages. I think they're just BS. Like they're old numbers. If they are, they've been around since, I mean, I was a financial advisor. Oh, I didn't know that. Before my, when my kid was like a hundred years ago, right? She's not a hundred years old. She'd be a Wow. You have a really old kid. (laughs) Um, But like before her, there, there was me me doing that. And those are the same numbers, right? They haven't changed. And I find that to be like insane that they haven't changed. So, okay. So sales and promotion, but I. I would agree with you too about the sales, like most, uh, especially women, like they don't want to be a salesperson and, and, you know, God forbid they think I'm salesy and I was exactly the same, like my big, what's that? Or greedy. That's a greedy term. Manipulative. Yeah. Pushy. I was definitely concerned about being pushy and salesy. Um, and don't be pushy and salesy, by the way, like I'm not, I don't it's think not one of us are saying to do that, yeah. but find a system that works. That's not salesy. Um, also in that podcast, we just did with Spencer, he, we were talking about like how he talks to clients and how important mm-hmm. it is. And like, he's talking about the relationship, not closing them like into clients. But I was like, it's exactly the same to me. Yeah. Like, when you're having a sales conversation, you're having a coaching conversation, it's exactly the same. Like, what is yeah. the problem? What do they want? Oh, then here's the solution. It's the same. Like, so if you're yeah. doing something different when you're giving advice than you are when you're selling, there's probably a, an inherent problem there with your sales. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's that's interesting. You use the word promotion because I would say sales and marketing. Why did you use the word promotion? Because you could have, that didn't have to be in the acronym. You could have said marketing. Have to, yeah. Is there a reason because it's like self-promotion? Yeah, it's not days? just marketing, right? So marketing is very specific in its like, what are we doing when we're talking about marketing? People start thinking about advertising. They start thinking about billboards. They start thinking about branding messaging. All of that is true, right? All of those things are factors you need to consider. But promotion is how you go out in the world, how you are in a network meeting, how you are when you meet people in the grocery store, how you are out there. and knowing the way you want to talk to people, it it comes back to all of that, right? So that you're, if you're the salesperson, the front end person of your business, you're that person always, then how does that come across in everything that you do? And not Mm -hmm. that you have to become like a weird robot. Don't do that. Don't do that. Be aware of how you speak about your business, how you speak about who you help, how you're, you have like little, and they used to call them and they still do elevator pitches. It's terrible. How often do we talk Mm -hmm. to people in elevators, but you have to be able to let things roll off your tongue really confidently when somebody says like, Hey, so what do you do again? And you need to be able to have an answer that isn't just like, I help people with their finances and I allow them to grow wealth. Yeah. Or I am a financial advisor. I am an insurance broker. I'm an insurance agent. Yeah. Yeah. The robot, the robot answer. Yeah. To me, that's all messaging. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, but there's, I think there's so many like prongs to that uh, promotion Mm -hmm. and marketing and they call it, you know, prospecting and there's so many, but um, okay, cool. Let's get to the H so we can uh, finish it off and let them, let them know how to find you. Yeah. So the last part of it is headspace. Every single thing that's blocking you in your business is 
first mindset and then somewhat tactical and strategy and you're just not implementing, right? So it is understanding how often you are getting blocked by your own brain, trying to protect you from doing something insane. And it's that kind of mentality that when you get that out of the way and you start to understand, you start to hear yourself in the back of your head, telling yourself stories about why people aren't buying from you, why people don't have enough money with the current economy, blah, 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 whatever that is in the back of your head. Those are all just statements that you're taking as fact and that then are blocking you from being effective in your business. So it's just learning to kind of be aware of those pieces. And it's the umbrella that goes over all the rest of it. Awesome. I love it. I'm going to draw their attention to an episode you reminded me of episode 127 with Travis Perry. Um, He talks about balance. And the reason I bring that up is because uh, your headspace and all the mindset stuff, like you cannot really have a successful business if you aren't taking care of the things that are most important to you. And so Mm -hmm. if you go to episode 127, that was back on June 21st, 2023, it's called explosive business growth without losing balance. So you might like that as well to dive deeper. Um, And uh, I, I guess I had one more question before we say our goodbyes. So all of that, like I'm totally aligned with, and I can say, and I know you're saying partly you're, you're, you're differentiating yourself by saying profit, but what, what differentiates like, cause if I do all that, I could mm-hmm. just have a uh, top line revenue, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm profitable. What can you hear plates like dropping? I did, uh, I did hear plates. They're plastic. <laughs> so that's good news, but um, plastic plates dropping. All right, cool. No screams. So that's good. That's good. Um, so what makes it more about like what within that or outside of that makes it more profitable? It is actually looking at the profit number. So when you're looking at the revenue, when you're making all of those decisions in terms of what are you spending on promotion? How are you hiring? What are you doing? It is creating from that financial investigation profit first, right? So it is starting on that, like my profit is in there. Like, are you all about paying yourself first and that sort of thing or not? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You've got to pay yourself first, even if at the beginning it's a dollar. Okay. So basically like if the word crush was caprush, kapush, you would (laughs) kapush, you would have totally done kapush, but or push something like that, but yeah, fortunately to be revenue crush because, still works, still works. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause revenue revenue, but you know what you could do just a little suggestion since you have sales and promotion, you could do revenue and profit as your second one. True. True. You know, free advice, free advice, Sam, take I like it. it. All of you, you guys can vote for it. Send us a message on to support at robincrane.com say, yes, we want profit in there. Not that she's going to listen to you, but um, maybe, <laughs> hey, maybe listen, it'll be DM interesting. Me and let me know yeah. if you do. Maybe. I'll yeah. So tell them where to right? find you. Thank you so much, Sam. The best place to find me is on Instagram. I am Sam, the profit coach. Uh, come slide into the DMS. Let me know you listen to this podcast. And if you have questions around your profitability, just ask them. I'm happy to answer. Awesome. Dude, you guys can message me too. I mean, I mean, you guys can totally message me. I am not Sam, but I think my Instagram is Robin Crane or Robin H. Crane. I'm just kidding, but, or LinkedIn or whatever. But I do want to, like, the reason I, I'm joking about that is because 
everyone's accessible. You know, people mm-hmm. are accessible now. I tell the story about Mel Robbins and how I interviewed her for a book years and years and years ago in 2013, um, when she had like 5 million views on her Ted talk and I messaged her on Facebook, you know, and it's yeah. like, I think people don't realize and like to come on here that I think that's really generous to be like, Hey, you can message me. And I sometimes forget about that. So, um, we do love to hear from you guys, especially if you like the podcast, um, and you want to know more about profit, maybe we can bring Sam back. So keep us in the loop about what's going on in your head and we'll see you next time on Growing Your Financial Business the Woman's Way. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.